Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we have a very special guest for you today. We have Kevin from the GMGC YouTube channel. How's it going, Kev? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for having me. You've there are plenty of people that would not think I'm very special, but thanks for the introduction. <laughs> I mean, we've played a couple of games together and they've been pretty special and pretty spicy. Um, I think actually we talked about one of the games that we played with you last week on the podcast as our, uh, I think it was actually, it was Paul's play of the week last week. It certainly was. It was the, uh, the, the, the Marisol game. Yes. It was the game I was, well, I played Marisol twice. It was uh Saison. You were playing Saison. Big sleazy. <laughs> Good old big sleazy. So we're gonna do our uh, our upkeep trigger here. And uh, Kev, if you have any uh, plays of the week that you'd like to share with us and our viewers, uh, well, we played a we we were we were a man down this Saturday when we played, and um, I was playing a blink deck, and I, that's not necessarily my wheelhouse. It's actually my friend Peter's deck. It's just at my house. I felt like playing it, and. Just the stupid value you can get out of blinking a, a sad robot, a solemn stimulacrum, is hilarious. Just oh yeah, yeah. It's if I I, I bounced an ewit or I blinked an ewit a couple times, maybe last time I played with a deck, and it was just like, oh, this is a good card. Same thing with sad robot. I blinked sad robot probably six times, and just the value that I got out of it was mind-boggling thank god i won the game because i would have been looking really dumb if i had 20 lands and didn't win the game <laughs> i've definitely lost in that position before yeah i mean i have it's it's there's like recorded video of me losing with like 69 <laughs> treasures in play and i still <laughs> lost the game uh so i mean it happens uh but who was the commander of that deck it it was formerly rune but i changed ah. the commanders to livio and kaidel Kaidel's just there for the colors. I mean, she's a four mana mana rock, but she's just there for the colors. But Livio does all the heavy lifting in the game. Okay, that's pretty cool. Because I, I took it I out like just that. because even my friend my friend Edward I was playing with, and he's just he was like, yeah, blinking one thing with Rune and having a comeback at the end of turn is just so slow nowadays. Whereas Livio can just like blink five things. And it's since I had all that mana, I was blinking. Well, at the time when I won the game, I I was able to blink. Sad robot, acidic slime, Avenger Zendikar, and um, Elvish Visionary. Every turn because I had Seaboard Muse out, Jeez. and so it was just yeah, it, it was something. Yes. I love I love blink decks. Uh, I my bent deck started off as a blink deck before it turned into to Tulane and what it is now. Um, but I mean, I built the Raynar deck as a blink deck. It it learns to like abuse those uh that that secondary trigger of his whenever you exile something. Uh, you get a one one spirit, so it's all just like exiling lots of my creatures That's and nice. getting value out of it, like Stoic Farmer and like you said, Solemn Simulacrum is just a fantastic card to keep ramping in like the colors that don't have ramp because mine don't, doesn't have green in it. Yeah. So we're going to move to our main phase now and we're just going to basically just have a discussion with Kevin and kind of see, you know, what's up. So, Kev. Yes, sir. When did you start playing Magic? I am what is commonly referred to as old. Uh, I'm, I started playing Magic my freshman year of high school. I, what got me into Magic was a friend of mine played magic and i had no idea what it was 
but I played D&D. So I went to Gen Con, and at the time, Gen Con was in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is really close to Chicago. And I went to Gen Con, and he gave me money. He's like, Buy, find me a Lord of the Pit. I had no idea what that meant. And so I took the money he gave me. I bought him Lord of the Pit, and I looked at the art, and I was like, that is hot. That is, am- <laughs> that is amazing. And then... I gave it to him, and then I was just, you know, after I got back from Gen Con, I was just talking to him about the game and whatever. And then I went back to school, and I remember asking my friend Matt, Money Matt, Money Matt. I was like, hey, give me 10 bucks. He's like, why? What do you want it for? I'm like, I, I want to buy a, a starter deck for this game, Magic. And if, if I like it, you know, we could play, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to you. I'll bring it to you. We'll, so we'll look at it. We'll see what's up. And he's like, fine. And he gave me the 10 bucks. That's how old it is. A starter deck was like eight bucks back then. It was. I bought a revised starter deck, and I got a crawl worm in the revised starter deck, and it was the greatest thing I ever seen in my life. A six. <laughs> the thing was six four for six mana with no abilities, and I just fell in love with. That's literally between Lord of the Pit and my starter deck. Opening a crawl worm is where I pretty much still play the game. I love big dumb creatures. I love. I, yeah, that's it. I love big dumb creatures. I love going full steam ahead in playing magic, and I just love casting creatures. My friend of mine, Swole Jesus, asked me one time, he's like, do all your decks just have really big creatures in them? I was like, uh, yeah, I think so. Why? He's like, no, I'm just asking it. There's like, it's just weird because I'm used to having more interaction, and it's, like, it's just sometimes hard to deal with all your dumb creatures you have. And that's, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's pretty much how I play. And this is why we always advocate on here on the podcast to run more removal for when people are playing big, dumb creature cards. Yeah. But I mean, all those, all those cards from back in the day, like they were, I mean, compared to what we have now, they're really bad. They're awful. Like some of those, some of those creatures back then were just terrible. Like a five mana three, three. I was like, why would you want a five mana three, three? Well, that's just good to show you how pushed Shiv and Dragon was back then, yeah? Oh, Shiv, like, I, yeah. I, I thought I ruled the world when I got my place at a Shiv and Dragons. Like, I thought that there was no way anybody could stop me. I had four Shiv and Dragons, and it was over for my entire playgroup. But at, at the time, my friend had this mono blue control clone deck, and it was, it's still, that's why I, it still, it haunts my memories, just because I've lost that stupid deck so many times. <laughs> Like I would argue, even by today's standards, Shivan Dragon is like an okay creature. Back then, like that—that that was <laughs> that was the the Oko of uh, <laughs> 1994 Magic. My, I could I could probably still rattle off my friend's mono blue control clone deck. It was literally four counter spells, four control magic, four ship, uh, four Mahamari Dijins, four four. Clones, four Vesuvian doppelgangers, four boomerangs, and some other miscellaneous stuff. Ah, the good old days. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> Unsleeved, just the, everything getting bent and the borders getting smudged up. Oh, man. I remember my old, like, my very, very first, uh, like, deck that was just unsleeved. It was just, I had it in, like, this, like, pouch that it just, <laughs> it just, it just stayed in. It was, like, this, this, like, pouch that I it was, like, a, a it's, like a, <laughs> a big pencil coin case, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was just like a pencil case that, like, I made one time in home ec when I was like in year seven, and um, like that was my first like full on like constructed deck that was kind of semi uh, standard legal at the time. 
Um, but all my decks before that were just complete jank that we would just play like on the kitchen table and just there was no like rules or anything to it. So we just played like kitschy uh, kitchen table magic and. But I remember like having this unsleeved mono red like warlords deck that I built um, in a pencil case that I made myself. And the amount of damage those cards took from, like, being tapped on the concrete and, like, just rolling around in my backpack, uh, like, in school times and everything, man. Carrying it to my to my mate's place so he could play Magic. Oh, it was great. I think I still have that deck somewhere at home, too. My friend gave up on Magic because he had all his cards in his book bag. And for whatever reason, he had a smoke bomb in his book bag at the same time. And this, yeah, that's yeah. I, I still have questions about this story. So all his cards became red, like th- like everything was just red because the smoke bomb, I guess, disintegrated in his book bag and just ruined everything he had. Yeah, and that's when, that's when he stopped playing Magic. Man, imagine if he had like revised duels and stuff in that deck and everything. Oh man, I could just think of the cards that he could possibly have ruined with that with the. Uh... The smoke bomb. I, I have if two I had a fr- nickel for every time my yeah. cards got ruined by a smoke bomb, you'd have probably <laughs> less than five cents. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, so I got out of Magic for a little bit uh, in high school and started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that's what everyone was playing at the time. And I remember I had this deck in a uh, Ultra Pro, Ultra Pro sleeves and an Ultra Pro deck box. And my water bottle leaked Oof. and got on the top of my cards and all the water had seeped into the sleeve. So every card was just a puddle (laughs) of what the cards were because I didn't check my bag, uh, until like, I didn't check where my cards were. My water bottle was until like lunchtime when we went to go and play. And I pulled out just this giant sopping mess of pile of cards and was like, Oh no. Ah, but they were only Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So it doesn't matter as much Eh, as if they were like pretty penny these days. Yeah, but it wasn't like my old school, uh, like, magic collection, you know, like, my ancient tombs and stuff. Like, I've still got all those. They're just somewhere at home at my mom's house that I have to get someone to go through and then send them to me because I need to, I need my collection back, you know? Mom, I need I'm my a spike old now. Collection back. <laughs> I need my cards. Yeah, I need, I need, to, I need to face breaks of people and just, just you know, pub stomp a little bit. I, I need my, you know... Uh, ancient tombs and i need my warlords and i need uh my my like two copies of earthcraft that i pulled in like out of tempest i need it i need it all just to send it to me all i have a much more uh upsetting reason why i stopped playing magic oh hit, hit me so uh this is like mid 90s this is like 1996 i had freshly gotten a job so i stopped going to my lgs like every day and one day I was like, all right, sweet, I'm off. Uh, I think these have, whatever day they had their tournaments on. And so I got my deck and I was on my way to the to the LGS. And it was, the lights were out. And I was like, oh, what the heck? And then I ran to this guy who, now that I think about it, was pretty sus. Because he was this old dude. He was probably like in his 40s. And he was always around the LGS, but then he didn't do anything. And I saw him like, Ooh, hey, man, what's weird. up? What's going on? Where's, uh, what's going on? He's like, oh, God rest his soul. Uh, Gary skipped town. I'm like, why? Apparently, Gary, who owned the comic book store, had was heavy in debt to the some loan sharks. 
Oh, no. And so Gary skipped town, but then, again, I ran to somebody else a couple years later, and I, I, apparently poor Gary ended up, like, ODing, and so then Gary was gone. He was one of the nicest guys in the world. He had a degree in, uh, had a degree in, mic- not microbiology, he had a degree in marine biology from Kansas State University, but ended up opening uh, LGS on the south side of Chicago, and then owed money to Lone Shark, skips out, skipped town, and then... Ended up ODing. So that's why I stopped playing Magic Jeez. for about six years. Yeah, I mean, with an experience like that, I would as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. The name of the LGS was Hooked on Comics. Is a, a play on Hooked that's, on Phonics. Yeah, that sounds so familiar, though. I feel like I, I've seen a store like that. They might or, be more, yeah. Well, yeah I'm sure you didn't do any legal work to keep that name protected. Probably not. <laughs> so how did you get into playing EDH? Uh, t- kind of tied into the same uh, backstory we talked about off uh, offline. My after we stopped playing board games for so long, a friend of mine who Racer X was telling me that oh, we were just at the at the pub one day, and I made a I made a magic joke. He's like, "You play magic?" I'm like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know? it was like, like, like I, yeah, like I haven't played in you know God knows twenty like what the time was probably like fifteen years. Or so, and he's like, "Oh, you want to play next Saturday?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Because I met him through football, through soccer. We both, unfortunately, love the same team. And so, what the the next Saturday, I was like, "Yeah, come over. I'll cook." Then the match starts at ten. Then the match starts at ten. We'll eat. We'll play a couple games, and we'll go to the pub. And so we he came over. He dusted off his cards, and then we just started playing like sixty card garbage for. A while, and then he's told me about EDH, and my ex-wife bought me the Prosh deck at Target, and that was it. That was it. And then we got the, our, our other friend involved playing Magic, and then we met a couple of the guys, and then that's how the GMGC was and eventually founded through guys we met at now defunct LGSs in Chicago. Hell yeah! That kind of like leans into the next question I was going to ask you about about your content, but I I guess you kind of already. Uh kind of told the story just there yeah but um now you said uh the prosh deck so i mean i guess this was around like 2011 or so ish yeah whatever year yeah so yeah that's that sounds about correct i think that's when the first batch of commander decks came out was 2011 yeah it was prosh marath because my racer x had the marath deck and uh yeah that's about it man back in the back in those days when like all you want to be doing was casting the big main spells, and I miss those days. I miss those old precons that, like, I mean, We're they're not as powerful as they shockingly are Shockingly bad. <laughs> I mean, right? Neoplasm, Damia, Sage of Stone, these were considered, like, premium salt-eye commanders. Yeah, I know, and I have both of them. Damia's still never solid. Them. She's a seven mana four four. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, what else, <laughs> what else does she do? Like, that's, she's pretty good. No, I I had a da- I I went through a really 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 stupid phase for a, a couple years. So what I used to do was every year I would dismantle every deck I had and start new with all new decks. And it was the dumbest. I have no idea where I got this idea from. I had no much I have no idea how much I had to drink to like commit to this for like <laughs> 3 years running. And I had a I had a solid Damia deck, and then I just took it apart because like oh it's first it's January first let me do the thing. Yeah, <laughs> man. 
I mean, Dami is good. I mean, she's seven mana. F uh, she's a seven mana four four with death touch. She says, skip your draw step at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have fewer than seven cards in your hand, draw cards equal to the difference. That's like, it's actually not bad still. And the sad thing is, uh, probably by today's standards, people will underestimate her and let you draw se like six or seven cards. Like, ah, that's card cost seven. Yeah, that's actually, just, like, that's a pretty valid point, actually. I didn't think about it that way. Commanders these days are so powerful that when people see you cast a seven out of four for they'll be like, ah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's fine. It's fine, and then you just like dome out your hand, and then reload it again, and do it again, and just keep reloading every turn. They'll eventually catch on that she is like your engine, and your payoff is just having low CMC spells. Yeah, but it, it, like it, what you said is it's, now it, it's silly how the game has evolved so rapidly. I mean, seven years is seven years, but I have what I have, and we do sometimes is I have. Every year I buy the commander sets like an idiot. I spend my money and buy every single commander deck. And I usually commit one to our box. So I have six commander decks from different years, fully sleeved, and we just take them out and fight as precons. And that, that Marath deck has such terrible cards. In like there's the one card that's hilarious and it's called Witch Hunt, I think. And every, it during it's a curse, <laughs> basically, and every turn someone during someone's upkeep, they have to get it, and they take four damage from it. It's such a bad card, but the time we played it, it's, it did, like, 25 damage on the table. But that deck is so, like, dysfunctional. It should be Gahiji as the commander instead of Marath. Marath should just be in the 99, because there's so many curses and weird cards in there. But it's so unfocused. It's, it's like someone at Wizards built their first commander deck and just threw a bunch of cards they liked in it. Whereas nowadays, they're so, like, laser-focused that they're just good decks out of the box. Like with Lapsworth. Yeah. I'm not sure how these new... How the new uh, Commander 2021 decks hold up against some of the other... Like, the $20 decks we've seen come out with um, the other sets. Uh, Zendikar Rising, Commander Legends, so on and so forth. Um like, are they still, like, I know I've seen through the deck list, but I haven't played the new Commander deck, so I don't know if they're, like, as laser-focused on their strategy as I don't know, the other uh, decks were. Corey played the Boros one, right? And that one yeah. seemed pretty good. I mean, it did, and it did exactly what it wanted to do. It wanted to, you know, keep using its artifacts to, you know, he wanted to basically have his artifacts on board. If he got wiped, it doesn't matter, because you can just rebuild and rebuild and rebuild some more, and, I mean... He did all, he did really well to outlast us. Um, but I remember remember when like the old yearly commander decks had three different strategies in them. Yeah, one was like suit. One was like more developed than the other two, and the other two were always kind of just like meh. Um, and then they started doing these like reprinted versions of the commander decks, and you'd get like AAC, Wylath, uh, Lathral, uh, Raynar, and all that, and they're like like. You want an elf deck? You've got an elf deck. You want a spirits flicker deck? You've got a spirits flicker deck. You want a, a Simic, you know, lands deck that wants to draw cards whenever you play a land? You've got it. You know, like these are, like that is the strategy of that one deck. So I don't know if these new decks are as laser focused as the other ones we've seen. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't buy any of the Zendikar $20 decks. I felt like a jerk because... I was talking to my friend about the Lathrop deck. It's like, I really like them. I'm going to buy them. And then I was mad because the, L the one, like, half LGS we have close to me closed. I couldn't buy it. But then I, yeah. ended up, I ended up buying, like, a Target or something 
And then he showed up to my house and he's like, hey, surprise, I got you this. I'm like, oh, I had to like, like win an Oscar for pretending like I didn't have it already. It's like, oh, sweet, man. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Now that story's out there in the public. That's all right. He's all right. Oh, I love the guy. I love Brian. Brian's hilarious. Brian probably drives two and a half, close to three hours to come play with us. He lives downstate Illinois. And yeah. obviously we're in Chicago. So he, he drives to come play with us. And my other friend was complaining. He's like, why do you leave so early? I'm like, bro, he lives in Champaign. It's a three-hour drive. He played three yeah. games. That's fine by me. That's commitment. Yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> I struggled like with about 20 drive. minutes. I mean, <laughs> it's like 20 minutes to my house from your place, isn't it? Uh, Like 40, 45. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one. I used to do it every week. So whenever we played it, because uh, Paul and I started playing uh, Commander at uh, a Books A Million store in Davenport. And uh, I would drive like 30, 35 minutes after getting off, uh, off, off work and stuff. And then just, you know, spending 35, sometimes even 45 minutes to almost an hour on like I-4 trying to get to the Books A Million before five o'clock, before everything started. Man, it was a pain. But it was worth it. You know, you, these, oh, yeah. these these are the things that, you know, I used to, same thing. Like, you, you end up enjoying your time there. It's the ritual of going through it and getting there and then actually sitting down and getting that side. Like, okay, now I'm here. Now I can relax. Now I can have my fun. And that's the thing that people don't really appreciate. That's the, that's the thing I hate that's that's disappearing from the game just because we're playing so, many, so much more on Spell Table. It's the ritual of getting down, seeing your friends you haven't seen for a week, a month, however long, and like, hey, what's up? I mean, you could talk to them on the phone, you could talk to them on via spell table, but unless they're right in front of you and you guys are talking and communicating and connecting, it's that's the thing yeah. that's that's sorely missed. I, 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 we're like we're like missing what? the gathering aspect of magic exactly. at the moment. You know, I, like I currently sit in, in, in my recording studio and I this is where I play my magic in, and it's like, yeah, it's very boxed in, it's very like it's small, it's boxed in. I only get to really talk to people over over Discord and like when we hang out. So like I know what you're talking about. Like you get to sit down with your friends and you get to catch up while smacking them in the face with exactly. creatures. Exactly. And that's the thing, like I'll say it a hundred times again, like I told you before, I'm an open book. Magic got me through my divorce. It got me through a very bad time in my life. And it was just like if I can get to Friday, if I can get to Friday, if I can get to Friday, I don't care how bad my week is, if I can get to Friday. Gets to see my friends, play magic for three hours, sometimes get blackout drunk from, you know, the beer and the wine and the mead, whatever, whatever it was we're drinking. If I can get to Friday night, I will be able to continue. I will be able just to be like, all right, whatever, the week is done. Everything's done and dusted. Let me play magic and then I'll be fine for the the next week. Yeah, it's kind of like that palate cleanser. Exactly. You know, it's it's the one thing that you look forward to, and that's what it did for me as well. Like Friday would come, and I'd be like so pumped to get to hang out with all my mates and and like see Paul and see my other mates that I that I currently still play with, and uh, just be able to sit down, you know, have you know, we would just drink coffee and stuff, and then just play some magic, and you know, it was like it was the the best day of my week essentially, and then you'd roll straight into the weekend and do whatever and then back to monday's grind and you know do the uh, yeah. usual monday to friday spiel and then uh you're back there friday afternoon playing magic with your mates so a lot of the lgs in chicago are a little bit lax with their beverage consumption protocol so if you bring a pitcher and it's clearly 
vodka, they're fine. Or if you be like, if long as they don't see you like crack a beer, they're fine with it. So a lot of, a lot of the LGS in Chicago, you could have you could crack a beer and have you know a good time with everybody at your pod, which is funny. Man, I'd be so worried that someone would like knock it over and spill it all over my cards. The the biggest problem I ever had playing LGS is at least in Chicago, at least with EDH wasn't the spilling or anything. It was like these random people just like showing up and nerding extra hard at your game. You know, nerd pushing up their glasses. Actually, you could have won last turn if you did this. Like, bro, I'm just here to hang out with my friends and play some magic. You don't need to come over and nitpick every play I do. You know, when I was in New York, uh, I'm only mentioning this because you mentioned the, uh, the lax beverage drinking. I had a place that was pretty much the same. Like, it was such a small shop. It was basically me and the same, like, maybe six or so people every week. Like, we, we would we would seldom get a full pod for drafts. That, that, that's that's how, like, localized the, the group was that, that played there. Damn, that's and, um Yeah, like, he would, he would let you, like, you know, have a beer or whatever. A lot, a lot of people, like, lived in the area, so it wasn't really that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I miss those guys. I hope they're doing doing well. Also, uh, Jace, if you're listening, we miss you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he was awesome. I miss that guy. I miss hanging out. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna say I miss everybody from the the Bam days. I mean, I know when we would play here before like COVID and everything. I'd I'd you know have a couple of scotches while playing. Oof, you could scotch. see like my playstyle getting worse and worse the more I start to drink. Um, but yeah, I just, um, I'm cool with drinking and playing. It's just like, it's like, just keep your drinks away from my cards. Scotch, I do not Uh, get along. (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll give you a side table and you can put your drinks and all your snacks and everything down there, but just don't touch my cards with your filthy snacky hands. You you don't Uh, knock on wood. I don't think we've ever had uh, a spillage that ruined cards. Oh man, you might want to knock on wood yeah, pretty I, hard then, because it's probably coming now. I know that when I was when I was making a deck, I spilled um, on some cards, but as a Oof. group, I don't think we've ever had like a massive spillage. And I'm trying really hard to think about it. I it's probably a really good thing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, hundred percent. A lot of times we we don't go like hard, like we're at a frat party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're not, we're not like just you know shotgunning beers, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 knock again, knock on wood. We have never had a big spillage like that. Oh man, that's that's a good thing. That's a really yeah. good thing because <laughs> you can't. I couldn't imagine like ruining one of my best decks with with liquid and just no matter what it was because I I've had a couple of board games die because of uh, party spillage. And it's not fun. No. And luckily, that luckily there it was just like it was like Uno and some other like <laughs> random card games. It didn't really cost all that much. So I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if you're just playing draft chaff, like limited decks, go for it because I mean they're commons and most commons in sets aren't really worth all that much. So it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing like my Urbogs or my Jeweled Lotuses and have someone just like <laughs> you know spill a schooner or a beer all over all over it and be like, oh. That would that would be the worst. Yeah, you, even Uno. Like I wouldn't want to have to buy Uno more than one time. <laughs> you know, I mean that's totally fair. 
I the, I wouldn't want to buy it more than once either. I mean, I have bought it a couple times, but I mean, yeah, and just <laughs> I always seem to lose my Uno, and then Uno gets serious though. It was a game. It is. So is Monopoly, but that's a whole different story. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to go through to our combat phase. We are going to hear a message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. We're going to get into our main phase two here and just keep going on with what we were talking about at the uh, on the first half of the episode. So, uh, Paul, did you want to jump in here with another question for Kevin? Yeah. So we've talked about the... Uh Mm, the uh, fundamentals of how you start playing Magic. Uh, so the, the 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 Kevin fundamentals. We'll, we'll call we'll call that section then. Uh, let's talk about some things that are more specific to Magic. Uh, what what is your favorite color combination? So it could be a guild. It could be a wedge. It could be a shard. It could be a four color combination. We don't have names for those. Yeah. Have you both of you guys seen uh, Full Metal Jacket? Never. Really. Um, <laughs> I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen a lot of it. So there's there's a point in the movie where he's talking about the, the duality of man. And that's kind of how I feel my magic style is. My favorite deck, my favorite, favorite deck to play is Kestia. Kestia is Bant. It's Enchantress. It's an Enchantress build, but it's Bant. But my I, I've realized recently that my favorite color combination is black-green. It's Golgari. And I have quite a difference. Three, four Golgari decks. Well, it's going to be four once I buy these stupid uh, new commanders. And um, are you are you building the Witherbloom deck? Like, are you are you building the? Oh, I forget her name. It's like uh, the Seer. D- the... Dina. You talking about Dina? Yeah. Oh, 100%. that's one of them. That is that deck right there is pure Kevin. I'm doing the Chef's Kiss right now <laughs> because. <laughs> You're you're telling me there's a, an advantage for me losing life? Like I, I I used to have a Kotha fed deck, and I died probably to my own. Even when I um, played with some other streamers, I played like three games with them, and they're like, "You're gonna die to your own triggers again, probably." Watch, because I died to Bitter Blossom. I died. I've died to Kotha fed a handful of times, but I'm just <laughs> sitting there smiling because I have this giant grip of ha- cards in my hand. Like I don't even care. I'm gonna die. So like Golgari is probably my favorite color combination, which is. But I do love playing bad. I love all the shenanigans that you can get into with uh, that color co- that color pairing. You know, uh, suddenly the Saison deck makes a lot more sense. Oh, big big, big sleazy is <laughs> probably my second favorite deck. The only reason why it's not my favorite deck anymore is because back then when I was an idiot, I took it apart and I built it again. But yeah, big sleazy is hilarious. The the French cokehead. He he just wants to party. He wants everyone to draw cards. He wants everyone to have funny. But then all of a sudden you realize you've lost twelve life, thir- you know, twelve fourteen life to to his trigger. And it's like, oh wait a minute, I'm actually I'm dying. <laughs> the, 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 that is hilarious because that ties into what I truly believe. If you dangle a carrot with my favorite my favorite mechanic in the game is monarch. If you dangle that little carrot of a draw card, if you're the monarch. People will just lose their minds. They'll lose all focus and just like, okay, I want the card. And then they'll try to attack and they'll try to do, make their moves to get that to get that Monarch token. Uh, since you mentioned mechanic, I'm actually going to skip ahead a little bit here. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to ask you, what mechanic, and this could be any mechanic ever invented, do you feel is most underrepresented in Commander? 
Like, I, again, I'm old. It's flanking. Flanking, like, blew your mind back then. You open a pack of Mirage, you're just like, flanking? What is this? Minus one, minus one? I don't, it, it, it's, it's such a clunky and funny mechanic that it, it, Magic, again, was still in its infancy. I imagine if they re- rethought it, could be f- a little bit better. It's it's such a weird. E- even with what's that? Sidar Jabari when they S- made Sidar it. Kondo? A, a Sidar Kondo. Sidar Kondo. When they made it as a commander, it was still really bad. It's like, oh, I get it. It's flavor flavor wise, it was a win. And um, but if they could, you know, draw the draw it up again, I'm sure it'd be a much better mechanic. But yeah, flanking is hilariously underrepresented. Well, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned Sid Arcondo because I was gonna say like even when he got printed, I was like, this card feels really out of place. Like, yeah. why is flanking on this card? It just doesn't feel right. But um, that being said, I uh, I did for a brief time put together an absolutely sick. Uh, I think it was green, white, red, blue. I partnered it with it was a three mana one four. Like when an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you draw a card. And it was basically uh, power two or less tribal. There we go. And that deck was pretty sick. Not going to lie. I was pretty was proud that, of that build. That Ludwig? Yeah, Ludovic. Yeah. Uh, Necro Alchemist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember. Uh, and that deck was pretty sick. But I think there's a... If I were to rebuild that deck, there's a... there's a. It's either a blue or a black card, right? That like when it attacks opponents or creatures... the. The creatures that the defending player controls become like one ones until end of turn and lose all abilities. It's a blue card, right? Oh yeah. Oh, it's killing me because I can see the art in my head. I, I forgot what it's called. Vidalkin illusionist, something like that. I, I yeah. can't remember. But like that card's pretty sick with flanking, right? Because you make the thing a one one and it can't block because yeah. it just dies to flanking. A lot of are we really are we really advocating for flanking to become a <laughs> commander mechanic? I think like, flanking is saying- cool. I'm not saying don't do it, but like flanking's one of those mechanics where people just forget what it does, even with the like the reminder text on the card. You're well, just like it does what now? I'm pretty sure the problem that flanking has, and this is why they don't really experiment with it a lot, is that it makes combat math very complicated. And yeah. I'm pretty sure they try to stray away from things that make what sh- things that should be fundamental to the game complicated. So things like rampage Flanking, banding, um, fear. Uh, they just overcomplicate combat, I suppose, and so they don't really do anything with them anymore. Because, I mean, my question would be, because flanking says uh, whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one till end of turn. Mm-hmm. What if someone was swinging in with a creature and you double blocked with uh would that work like if you double blocked with with flanking would you get two flanking triggers i think they uh, get minus one minus one at least if that's my initial reaction is flanking worded like bushido it's when it blocks or becomes blocked uh whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature okay so it's only when it, it's only when this when when this gets blocked okay Okay. All right. So it's not okay. So it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. If it was like Bushido, where it's like if this becomes a, is is blocking or becomes blocked. Yeah, I thought flanking was only on attack. But you, you scared me a little bit there. <laughs> That's what I do here in the podcast. I I, I make you uh, double check and just like you know have to make you think about things that we just we should already know as magic players. Um, uh, I mean, I. 
we've uh we've actually done some discussion on mechanics and in particular if anybody cares we did an episode about uh call time like when call time was first released i don't remember what episode number it was but i talked about how much i liked that they had cards with new mechanics on them that were absolutely pushed like varagoth and uh uh i forgot the other one one of the the foretell cards like the board wide foretell card things like that raven form uh because a lot of mechanics really just don't see a lot of playing commander because the cards that they're on kind of mm, don't really do much yeah putting it nicely um so honestly for me if i had to choose a mechanic that's really underrepresented it would be hellbent oh yeah i think hellbent is a really cool mechanic and i just feel like there's so much design space uh left with that that isn't explored yet um i feel like angie might have been their one chance to do something with that but uh I digress. Yeah, but she used she used madness, and madness is still pretty cool. Madness is like okay, but hellbent. Like, what? What? How? How cool of a name is hellbent for yeah. a mechanic? It's it is it's very Rakdos. Yeah, <laughs> like it's very Rakdos, and it's not it's it's a keyword that it's it's very similar to like to, to Magecraft. Well, I guess Magecraft is specifically like whenever you cast a copy of a spell, this does something. Whereas, like, Hellbent is just, it's an ability word that indicates that a card is better if its controller has no cards in their hand. <laughs> All right, coming up next here. Uh, this might be actually, based on what you said, kind of a difficult question to answer. Uh, but what is your favorite pet card, Kevin? My favorite pet card? Um, off, off the top of my dome is going to be uh, Baneful, uh, Baneful Omen. I don't even know what that does. It's a it's, what? I've never even heard of this card. <laughs> it's a seven mana black enchantment that says at the end of, at the beginning of your end step, reveal a top card of your library. Each opponent loses life equal to this mana cost of said card. And again, since I play so many big dumb creatures, I would just like flop into a Draco, flop into a Stragadon, flop into a Baneful Force, just in, like like. It's hilarious. It's it, it it's in a lot of uh, Yuriko decks, and that's the only deck I think it goes into. It and it's in a lot of uh, some almost all my decks, just because I, all my mono black decks at least, just because I love the card so much. It's it's such a it's such a funny card. And you don't even like put the card into your hand or anything. It just stays on top. Yep, stays on top. It's right there. Everyone so knows weird. what you're drawing next. <laughs> And uh, yeah, one time I blind flipped into a Draco, and a, both my opponents lost sixteen life, and it was the greatest pleasure of my life. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh. it is also a seven mana uh, enchantment, by yeah. the way. <laughs> oh no, I will, I will, I will go hard to get that out there. I will cast a dark, I will dark ritual into that. I will just try <laughs> to get that out there as soon as I can. That card is so dumb. That's probably my biggest pet card. My old pet card used to be. Desert Twister, but that's I let go of that. I let that I let that ship sail into the <laughs> night. Uh, yeah, people are out here like dark ritualing and jewel lotusing into like their Collins and their uh, their uh, Turgrids or you know whatever the case may hey, be. Brago. Hey, why does it why does it have to be the two deck one deck that I play and the other <laughs> deck that I'm currently trying to build now? I just named one that I have, Brago. I didn't hear you say Braga. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're just trying like... to power out those cars, and then Kevin comes around. Yeah, anyway, turn seven, Swamp. I'm going to play, I don't even remember what the car was called. Baneful ba Omen? Baneful, Baneful Omen. Omen. Yeah. Baneful Omen. 
people are out here trying to play uh uh what is uh smothering Any tithe. Other thing that you can do with seven smothering mana. tithe turn four turn seven baneful <laughs> omen <laughs> yeah but i mean it's so good like if it goes with the theme of the deck and if you're playing you know uh like big dumb creatures this thing is just this thing could be an absolute powerhouse in, in... that thing could be an absolute powerhouse with like sensei's divining top yeah oh yeah uh, dude be sick so with good. uh what's its name bolsa citadel yeah there's plenty of cards that make it <laughs> okay but it's still seven mana for an enchantment that does you nothing till your end step all right we're gonna ask some uh a, f- a few a few uh I would call them a little more hard-hitting questions, but they're they're just a little more thought-provoking. All right. I made these myself. So, a brand new player comes to you, Kevin, and he says, I want to build a commander deck. Brand new player. Like, Mm -hmm. this is their first experience playing. What commander and or strategy, whichever you prefer, would you recommend to them and why? Uh, do I know this person personally, or do I? This nah, is just some an random LGS guy goer. off the street. Like, hey, you play Magic? Just, just an LGS goer. Oh, an LGS goer. playing Commander. Okay. Um, I talked to him for a few minutes, suss out his personality, and and you know what I'm saying because that's the thing. Like, I tr- I'm trying to get my son, and I call him my son loosely just because he's my work son. He's this kid who works at my restaurant that I have, <laughs> have adopted, even though he comes from a very nice family. And I know both his parents, <laughs> but he's he's my son. Um, and the, the the problem with introducing someone to the game is that you don't really know is that they're the easiest strategy is to just pl- play big dumb creatures or play play goblins. You can build, build a cranko deck, and you can get. That's how I got my friend who bought me the starter deck into Magic because I said like, "Hey, play this weird Goblin deck I made." And he's like, "Oh, this is really fun! Like, uh, you can make a Cranko deck on a budget, and they'll have a blast playing it because you could, there's still enough draw in Mono Red. There's still enough. Well, there's not enough removal, but there's still enough like things you can do every turn that make the game interesting. I think a lot of times if you introduce somebody to uh, the game and there's you're playing not a deck." built for a beginner there's too many turns where they just don't know what to do whereas goblins or even model green stompies like you just send everything that way because you're gonna cast like mana rocks there's always something to do in those colors like i'd probably lead them to like play uh a cranko probably tin probably the, the the newer one the tin street boss or whatever just because there's more interaction with him the the commander isn't just tap make goblins there's you know you could tap them and attack and you make goblins either way but there's you're still getting that interaction of attacking or like uh i don't know it's a good any mono green just like fun easy to pilot deck even um that's like the dragons uh, of tarkir uh what's his name uh the the mono green guy that gives haste if you have ferocious oh yeah 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 that's a good deck um yeah, anything like that. That's fun. You're even bears, even Iula. You can make on a budget <laughs> and just be like, "Hey, I'm gonna send all these bears at you." Because yeah, something like that. Probably, yeah, they got yeah, a new bear. Say, like, they got a new st- bear in the crew now. Yeah, I, I'd probably say Tin Street Boss or Iula, just because bears are cheap and they're fun. You can start, you can start doing stuff turn one and two. You can start casting bears at turn two, so you're not just sitting there waiting for all your friends who are you know more wise in the game. To do stuff, you're just like, oh, my bear. Here's my bear. Here's my other bear, and then Alayla does stuff, <laughs> and you're right, you're, you're part uh, of the you're part of the party. 
let's turn this question on its head a little bit. Let's uh, re- re- we'll rephrase just a teensy bit, and we'll say that this same player, instead of saying, I want to build a commander deck, he says, I want to play one of your commander decks. What deck would you give to them out of your collection? Mirasol. <laughs> <laughs> if I want them to never play again, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if I was to give somebody a deck to play with out of my commander decks, it would probably, again, it would be... No, actually, it would be Clark. It would be Clark Griswold. I'd give him Griswold. Because Griswold, again, there's lots That's of the action. That's the green-black guy, right? Huh? This the green-black guy? Who, yeah, like, the green one that dies, gives people plants. Plus one, plus one counter? Yeah. It, okay. it's, there's always something to do with it. You're, you're going to be casting and doing stuff from turn one. And then Griswold just gets out of hand. That or... I'm not going to give him Sleazy because Sleazy is too much life loss and too much <laughs> silliness. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm looking at my decks over here right now. <laughs> or I'd give him uh, Sir Gwen because Sir Gwen, same thing. Mm. Sir Gwen is just turn things mm. sideways and face punch people. But uh, turn things sideways, tribal. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably give him Clark. Though. I'd probably give him Grismal just because that's a a little bit more tuned than uh, my uh, Sir Gwen deck. Yeah, I think we all have that one deck that like we say like just in case anybody ever comes to me and wants to play a deck, this is the one I'm giving them. Uh, honestly, I think for me it would probably be Elish Norn. I think that's probably like one of the most simplistic ones that I own. Um, unfortunately, the commander isn't Praetorian, so <laughs> they won't know what the commander does. I have to tell them when I give it to them. Yeah, but everyone else <laughs> will know what the commander does. So when they resolve it, they'll be like, "Oh, Elish Norn." <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me the deck. The, the deck that I built that I would probably give to, to, to a brand new player, I think, would have to be tossing up here between, like, Tasa, because she's pretty easy to play. Um, I would argue Tasa's probably not easy to play. I mean, she's pretty easy to play. I'd say probably the Morph deck is easier to play than Tasa, honestly. Or Dynos. That's very fair. I didn't build the Morph deck, though. The Morph deck is still very much a pre-con. Um, I've just, I've added some better morph cards to it and like some recursion slash like board wipes and stuff. Um, I would honestly probably say dinos maybe. Yeah. The dinos is pretty fun. It again, just wants to go sideways. Uh, so my Gishath Sun's avatar deck, my Naya big stompy, uh, dino deck, I think is really fun. Actually, I need to play that one a lot more often now. I think that one needs to be, uh. I think I need to go through that deck and just maybe update it a little bit for some newer cards. Because I built this, God, uh, two years ago now, and I haven't touched the deck list since. Oof. I think I myself have only played it against it once. It was yeah, like the so last time we played in person before COVID hit. I think I'll have to, uh, I'll have to, uh, to update that one and maybe give it a give it another shot. N- another day in the sun, hey. Uh, all right. It looks like uh, this is actually maybe my the the last question here, uh, but it's a it's a doozy. You ready, Kevin? Yes, sir. All right. You are now Watsy Staff. You get to make one and only one change to anything magic related you please during your tenure. The change can be as dramatic or as minimalistic as you please. What is that change, and why would you make it? What's the one thing I would change from Watsi? <sighs> oh man, that's a rough one. Haha. 
<laughs> just because I know the, the the initial like knee jerk reactions are going to be, but I don't really necessarily feel there's anything wrong with a lot of stuff they do. There's a lot of stuff that I'd stop putting out so much product. It's all you know. That, that's that's so pretty much, much it. it would, you know, anybody who knows anything, it's about supply and demand, and they're just flooding the market with so much product. And the problem is that even with that, the problem would be if they stop making so much product, the product would go up so much exponentially so much faster even though there are cards like jeweled lois that are like stupid expensive fresh out the gate but the the thrill of waiting for spoiler season is gone because it's it's year-round spoiler season now yeah i actually don't disagree like i i've actually stopped paying attention to spoilers almost in its entirety no yeah 100%. Uh, ex- except for like standard sets but like for commander legends i really I, I looked at a lot of it because, you know, we have a show to do, so I needed yeah. to know. But outside of that, like, my interest has just waned. And I used to study spoiler season. I used to actually study spoiler season because I was a serious limited player. And I would, I would research all the cards. I would, you know, take note of what archetypes look better than others and all that, all that jazz. Um, that was when I took it a little more seriously and may i do plan on getting back to that someday because i do enjoy limited um but yeah like i just i don't really like go on to mythic spoilers or magic spoilers or anything like that and like look at the cards i kind of just like say all right like i'll open a box or whatever and then you know i'll put stuff in decks which i usually don't even do that i'm just too lazy (laughs) i just leave my (laughs) decks the way they are like i Um, i still think uh um not Kaladesh. What's the one with Bolas? I can't remember the name of the set. The War of the Spark? Um, no, the one where he was with the deserts. Um Amonkhet? No, um, yeah, Amonkhet? I still think Amonkhet's a new set. Whenever I see an Amonkhet card, I'm like, what is that? I've never seen that card before. Yeah, sometimes I forget that Amonkhet's not in standard anymore, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Amonkhet hasn't been in standard for ages. Yeah, sometimes I forget War of the Spark's <laughs> not in standard. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what's in standard or what's. I don't even take part in standard. Yeah. Ravnica Allegiance is not in standard anymore. No, it's not. That set came and out two years ago. It stopped yeah. being print. I believe it's no longer in print either, which means getting boxes to do, like to get shocks, is is going to be harder to do, harder to get now until they eh. go to the until we go back to Ravnica for the seventh time. Um, <laughs> fun fun fact: Return to Ravnica. Which was the first time they went back to Ravnica? That that set got overprinted so much that you can still get boxes for like a hundred dollars. So, I'd believe that. And they have still shocks Boxing in them, right don't there. they? <laughs> huh? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just get those boxes. They they probably end up cheaper <laughs> than uh than the Re- Return to Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance boxes for for Shocklands. Um, I don't know. I think the one thing that I would like to see changed is they just they make so many different versions of the same card now and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but as someone who's just like doesn't get to crack a lot of packs um so like when you get you know a version of a card and you're like oh this is awesome but i mean like and you're like oh there's a foil version i could have gotten or an extended art version i could have gotten or a mystical archive or even and then like a foil mystical archive or a yeah. etched foil mystical archive and japanese alts uh alt art and so on and so forth i just i really wish they would just ho- hone it back down to being like foils a lot harder to get um and just 
like scaling it back a little bit. I think like since uh, they introduced all these collectors packs and alternate art frames and everything in Throne of Eldraine uh, at the, I believe it was the end of 2019 is just, we have ex- exponentially exploded in the different versions of cards. Um, I know that like out of Commander Legends, I've cracked both a Jeweled Lotus and a Vampiric Tudor, but I'm always like, well, I could have, I could have cracked, you know, a foil <laughs> one, which would have been double the price yeah. or an extended art version foil that would have been even better. Or like, you know, whenever someone asks, oh, you know, like, oh, check out the card that I got. Like, oh yeah, is it foil? It's like, well, no, it's not foil. Well, this is not good enough. So, you know, the problem I have with the extended art and the collector packs and all that is like when I used to draft a lot, sometimes you would randomly get that foil mythic or that foil rare that would pay for the whole draft. Yeah. Right? That can't really happen anymore unless you get super duper lucky because you can't get those extended art cards in regular packs. So if you're drafting, you pretty much like have to do well. Otherwise, that draft is not paying for itself. With certain exceptions. Don't get me wrong. I know there are cards that are still worth a pretty penny. Like if I were to open a pack of Commander Legends and open an Opposition Agent while I'm drafting or a... Uh, not even Opposition Agent anymore. That card went down a lot. Whole Breach. Well, op- op- Opposition Agent is still like uh, $12, I think. Uh, that's when I was able to pick mine up. And Hull Breacher is seeing a, a decline in price. Um, I did just offload my fourth copy of Hull Breacher, and I only got like $19 for it. Um, yeah, but so, I mean, I mean, like, you got to remember that when you draft a set, the draft usually costs about $15. Yeah. Right. Fifteen to twenty depends on the set. It could also sometimes be thirty if it's like a master set that you're drafting with or something. Um, I mean, if you if you pull a non-foil gold span dragon out of a Kaldheim uh like draft, then that would have paid for the whole draft because that's like a twenty-five dollar non-foil. Yeah, like like I said, there are certain exceptions, but it's much rarer now to get that lottery card so to speak you know that one card that like you take it and you pay for the draft like i remember i was drafting eternal masters one time i opened a foil jace guess what card i took out of that pack the foil jace (laughs) i took the foil jace i still have that foil jace (laughs) of course you would grab the foil jace i mean why wouldn't you grab the foil Jace? i screeched like a little girl as soon as i saw that i I legitimately almost fell back in my chair (laughs) man but now you'd be able to get like an extended art foil version Jace the Mind Sculptor. Now I could a... buy Mythic Edition War of the Spark Jace the Mind Sculptor. I could get an yeah. extended art foil borderless uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor from uh, Double Masters. Yeah, and I think that's my underlying issue with 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 some of this stuff is like keep the standard stuff accessible and just. Not so much accessible, but like valued where it needs to be for standard play, and then make them, and then the premium products feel like premium products because now we're looking at like, you know, Double Masters wasn't good enough unless it had a VIP pack, and so they made a VIP pack for Double Masters because they've been doing pre- what feels like premium products for standard sets that when they come out with, you know, an, an ancillary premium product like Double Masters or, um, uh, God. Uh, Modern Horizons 2 or whatever, like they'll do a VIP or a collector's booster or something that's, you know, better than the regular packs. And just now, I really wish we would just pull it back a little bit and just go back to the draft packs being just as good as that was, everything that, else. That was actually the one situation where, like, after further reflection, 
At first, I, I, I thought it was like in poor taste to have the VIP pack outside of Double Masters. But like, that was the one case where I thought after I, you know, gave it some some time, it was actually okay to do something like that because it's already a premium product, right? Like it, the cards are already of high value in that set. Double Masters, yeah. great set by the way, not accounting for the price. Um, the cards are already like so valuable and so, you know. Highly sought after, desired, whatever you want to call it. That when you just make alternate versions of already highly sought after cards, like that literally, that is the lottery ticket, right? Like that, that is fine to me. It's, uh, it's mainly with the standard sets that it really gives me some pause because, yeah. Mm, I don't, I, I've already explained this. I'm not going to explain it again, but, you know, uh, personally speaking, and I'm not meaning to hijack the question that I asked Kevin. Kevin's been kind of quiet <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> it's all um, ruse. <laughs> um, I think the change I would make, first of all, the change I would want to make would be getting rid of the reserve list. But I, I don't want to open that can of worms. But the change I would make is probably to like not print cards that bend fresh out of the pack. Yeah, that's mm. god awful. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm not sure how much of that is Wizards or how much of that that is Hasbro or what exactly is the underlying factor to why we're getting cold cards. Um, but I mean, I, I totally know where you're coming from. Like, like if you were there, like that'd be your top one priority of being like, all right, let's not print, you know, cards that are going to curl. Uh, also maybe like, I don't know, I'm not biased or anything, but like a secret layer that's like based on clones maybe Marisol could be one of them, one of the cards in there. I don't know. You just want a special <laughs> version of Marisil. Is your version not good enough? It's literally signed by Sheldon Mennery. It is signed by Sheldon Mennery. <laughs> and God bless that man. God bless that card. But like, We'll get him on the show one day, and then you two can just have a discussion of how that interaction went down. I just want like Secret Lair with X-Men IP, and I want a Mystique Marisil. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That'd be sick. You're, you're, you're pretty biased, but yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing I used to call, I used to have a, um, oh, what's his name? A Stonebrow deck. Stonebrow Cross and Hero. I used to call him Danny Trejo. And I, I was begging my friend who does art, like, hey, just make me his Danny Trejo altar. And he has yet to, yet to do it. But he did help me put a sink in my house, so I guess I'll take the sink over the Danny Trejo. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would too. You need somewhere to like do dishes and you know everything else. But uh, I actually put Stonebrow in one of my decks, and he was referred to as Stonebro <laughs> for the whole time. It was like, yeah, here comes Stonebro, Cross and Hero. <laughs> That was that was one of them them fun cards that I that, that Paul actually showed me that card and I was like he's like I can't wait for you to play this card and have everyone go what is that card Stonebrow baby Stonebrow Crossing Hero he that was part of the deck formerly known as uh, Rada Harder yep. Cled me dead Cled me dead <laughs> <laughs> still love that name. All right, well, and with that, that kind of wraps up our time here that we have uh, this week on the show. So, Kevin, if anyone wanted to find your content or your Twitter or anything, where would we go to find that? Uh, most notably, the the GMGC on YouTube. I try, I try to be on the Twitter. I'm on Twitter too, and I'm on Instagram too with the channel. But it's it's just a thing to try to 
get on all these social media platforms that it's hard. Like whenever I make a video, I'll put it out. I'll put it on both, but I'm I'll try to interact with more people on Twitter, I guess, than Instagram. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. I think it's I don't even know what my Twitter name is. To be quite honest with you, let's take a look. <laughs> I, don't even know I think my... it's the GMGC one. You probably are correct. Yeah, no, it's GMGC the. Yeah, that's the the thing at uh, Twitter. But you probably just search up the GMC and it'll be show up. I was very happy. There was a, uh, I think it was a Chinese or uh, there was a Chinese gymnastic thing that used the GMGC. And once I surpassed them in uh, s- subscribers, that that was the first pop up on YouTube. So I'm very happy about that. <laughs> that's awesome i'll also have all of your socials and everything linked in the show notes below uh if anyone wants to have a conversation with us and get at us you can do that on instagram or twitter at cmdr at arms uh we have our merch shirt that you can get in the link in the show notes below as well um if you want to support us and local game stores at the same time you can do that through our tcg affiliate link uh, that is also in the show notes below. We have our email address, commanderatarmspod at gmail.com. Send us your deck text, your episode submissions, and anything else you want to send in to us there. If you want to support the show directly, you can do that through patreon.com forward slash commanderatarms. Paul, do you have any final thoughts this episode? Um, just my usual spiel, plus one. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening, even if this is the first and last episode you ever will or have watched we really appreciate you taking the time to do so uh if you liked what you heard uh please be sure to let your friends know uh share it around if you can or maybe even just listen to some of our previous episodes uh me and james do post weekly uh except for one week that we may or may not have skipped but we don't talk (laughs) about that um we actually just recently passed our 50th episode milestone which nice. I hadn't really set as a milestone until I realized it was the 50th episode, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you gotta make goals for yourself along the way. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, I am on there pretty often. Uh, James is also on there sometimes. Uh, so you have double the chances of speaking with us because there are two of us that manage that account. Um, and I want to thank Kevin for coming out and talking with us. Uh, very cool guy. Played some games with him. Very fun decks uh, and, you know, just very cool conversations. Uh, so thank you again, Kevin. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's 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 it for me. And with that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. Peace. See ya. See ya.